This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello and welcome to Garden Favourites with me, Alan Titchmarsh. This is a brand new series of podcasts about, well, some of my favourite things in the garden. Simple. Does what it says on the watering can, as they say. You see, every gardener gardens differently. We all have our favourite plants, places to visit, and tools that we think are vital, indispensable, and the key to success in those essential garden jobs. We all have our reasons for our personal choices and we love to share, well, maybe not the tools. In this series, I'm going to share some of my favourite things with you. Not kittens, whiskers or string, but the plants I love, my horticultural holiday destinations, and some of the books and objects that have become dear to me through my gardening years. Back in the 1970s, when I'd just started writing for a living, houseplants were all the rage. I wrote several books on them, one or two I was rather pleased with. One had illustrations in watercolour, they were absolutely beautiful. And then, as the decades wore on and we got to the 90s and the noughties, houseplants had really fallen out of favour. You were lucky if you could see an orchid every now and again, but no, people just didn't want to be bothered with them. And then, suddenly, in the earlier part of the 21st century, they started to come back. And in the 2020s, they are all the rage. It's wonderful to see students growing them in their digs, on their windowsills and everywhere. And they are, of course, very beneficial, cleaning the air in the places we live, but also lifting our spirits. (laughs) 
when you're starting out with houseplants, you want something that's not too much bother, that's fairly easy to look after, which is probably why you'll find peace lilies all over the place. Spathiphyllum wallisii is the Latin name. And up comes this white sail of a spathe with a, a spadix, the spiky bit, sticking in the middle, and these oval bright green leaves. There's something very calming about the peace lily, isn't there? And also it seems to do quite well in the corner of a bathroom or in that little window on the landing. It's pretty indestructible provided you don't overwater it. If you overwater it, it starts to go yellow. And if the corner's really shady and you can't read a book by the light there, that's a bit mean on it. It doesn't mind indirect light and fairly dullish conditions. It does need a little bit of light with which to photosynthesize. Make sure its pot isn't too big for it, but similarly, if it's been in the same one for months on end, nay, years, then just think about being kind to it. Knock it out, take some of the old compost away, and replace it with new peat free multi purpose compost. Water it in and snip off any leaves and flowers that fade, and spathiphyllum the peace lily will continue to bring peace and tranquillity to your household. It's been very interesting over the past few years seeing just how many orchids can fit on a windowsill in your house. Phalaenopsis, the moth orchid, is now available in such a wide range of colours with those arching flower stems that have these great wide petalled blooms dotted all the way along them. And they seem to last and do last for months if you know how to treat them. Good indirect light for these moth orchids on a windowsill, but not one facing south where they might well scorch. And the secret then is not to overwater. If you look at the pot they're growing in, it's generally translucent or even transparent because those fat roots that come out are coated in a rather weird substance called phelogen. It absorbs moisture, but the roots also photosynthesise. And if you cover them all up, that's the plant's way of trying to make energy being taken away from it. So and try and leave those roots showing. And if you do have to put it in a, a pot holder, try and make that pot holder opaque so it does actually let some light through. Don't snip off those roots. It needs them. I know they're not in the compost. Well, it isn't compost anyway, is it? It's just bits of bark. But it does need those roots to absorb moisture from the atmosphere. And that's why you don't need to water it very often. If you can run rainwater or cooled boiled water through that pot once every 10 days and let it drain before you put it back into its cashpo, posh name for a pot hider, then it will be happy. Overwatering is death to them and that's when they all go horrible and nasty and slimy and floppy. So don't be too worried about forgetting about it. You'll soon notice it when it does need a drink because its leaves will start to go a bit floppy and thin and you'll look at that bark in the pot and think oh goodness me it's absolutely dust dry give it a good soak run the water through it and it'll soon come back to life and when all the flowers have faded don't cut back the flower spike if it starts to die back and goes brown cut it back as far as it's gone brown but no further 
because what you'll often find is that that stem will send out more side shoots that'll carry more flowers. And if you cut it all off, you'd have done without that lovely thing called a second flush. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. This episode is brought to you by Visit Myrtle Beach. You know what's better than getting away to a beach? Getting together at the beach. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. They've got over 2,000 restaurants, live music playing all day and night, and endless attractions. This place was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Welcome to 60 Miles Where You Belong. The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com. When I was a lad, Mr Rhodes at school used to sell cacti in little pots for sixpence each. That's two and a half P in new money. Yes, I know, times are very hard then. And they were labelled with a lollipop stick. And the first Latin name I ever learned was Briophyllum pinnatum, which is a little tiny succulent. And the reason they're good for children cacti, provided they don't touch them and get spiked, is that they can thrive on neglect. They really don't mind drying out between waterings. In summer, you can water them when they're dry, but in winter, they need very little. Don't overwater them or they'll go mushy. Just a little dribble every now and again when you think, oh dear, it's looking a bit thin and wizened, I better give it a bit more. Brilliant light is what they want. That's why windowsills are always good. Even south-facing windowsills, cacti, can take it. In that respect, they're like pelagoniums who really don't like shade. But cacti come in all shapes and sizes, from the rabbit's ears ones to the little rosettes to the large, tall cylinders. And I have to warn you that collecting them can become addictive. And with cacti, they need a top dressing. That means something on the very surface of the compost of sharp grit. Now, sharp grit is just that, little pieces, tiny pieces of stone that show off the plants well and they'll keep the neck or the collar of the plant dry so it doesn't sit in moisture. So lots of plants benefit from a little top dressing of grit. It just shows them off, but cacti and succulents in particular. And if you want to get children the collecting bug as far as gardening goes, cacti are great. Just warn them off. 
from touching them because they're little tiny rabbit's ears ones with the, the dotty little spots on them. If you touch those dotty spots, they turn out to be tiny weeny hairs. They get into your fingers and you can't see them. So just don't touch, but oh, you can enjoy. And turn them round every now and again on your windowsill so they don't lean in one direction. And over the years, you can build up a collection which is far more interesting, if a little more space-consuming, than the Book of Stamps. When we first got married, I was desperate to have a weeping fig in our little tiny sitting room. Now, I can tell you, our first sitting room was nine foot square. If you'd swung a cat in it, it would have been concussed on every wall. So it was tiny weeny, but it did have reasonable light. And I desperately wanted a weeping fig. We're going back to the 70s, as I said, when houseplants were really fashionable. And I bought one in a pot that was about nine or ten inches in diameter. The plant itself stood two and a half, three feet high. And I stood it in a corner of the room. And within a fortnight, nearly all the leaves had fallen off. It does that sometimes. When you move a weeping fig, Ficus Benjamina is the Latin name, it tends to have a bit of a shock at the change in circumstances and atmosphere. So don't be surprised if it does lose some of its leaves. The way to help stop it losing its leaves is to make sure that the air around it is relatively moist. Stand it on a tray of gravel and you can keep the gravel quite damp and that will give it a sort of cool Turkish bath to help stop it. Water it when the surface of the compost is beginning to feel dry. Give it a really good soak, but then don't go back again until it needs another good watering. And it will grow well in good, but indirect, if you can, light, rather than scorching sun through a window. Persevere with it. Give it a decent-sized pot so it's not too starved. And that way, your weeping fig could well grow to quite a decent size. You never know. They ought to sell it to the local hotel when it's too big for your home. When I started growing plants in a tiny weeny greenhouse that I made in our back garden with polythene, the first thing I ever grew was given to me by the lady next door, Mrs Cunnington. She gave me a little spider plant in a pot. I didn't need to be given any more, because spider plants are amazing at multiplying all on their own. Great plants for bathrooms on a windowsill, or even the end of the bath, or a shelf above the end of the bath. If you put them in the corner on the end of the bath, they'll make their way down into the bath with these long stems that they push out, and then whoop, a little new plant sprouts off the end. Those glorious fountains of creamy white and green leaves. It is so easy to grow. Now, I tell you, if you can kill a spider plant... Well, you've got a talent, and it needs to be diverted somewhere else, probably into pest control, you know, go work for rent to kill Because it's very hard to kill a spider plant. They can cope with a bit of dryness at the roots, they can cope with a little bit of overwatering. They are tolerant. But for best results, decent-sized pot, some liquid feed every couple of weeks, which is what all houseplants deserve between the months of April and September, and that way you'll keep them healthy, and all those little offshoots that come, you can pot up individually and give them away to your friends. And suddenly, there'll be a rash of houseplants in your locale. They will all look the same, but your friends will be ever so grateful that you got them going with an easy one. I was interviewing somebody the other day 
and I got through the interview. I'll tell you who it was. It was Anne Reid, great actress Anne Reid. Lovely raconteur, she is, lovely stories. And we got to the end of it, uh, and the camera had finished recording. She said, right, just let me get my mobile phone. Will you tell me what's, what I can do with this? Midrasina, I need to know what to do with it. It's leaning. And she had a very well-grown Dracaena. Now, Dracaena is a variety of cordyline, that wonderful Torbay palm, you know, the huge fountain of green leaves that you see on the seafront in various seaside resorts. Well, the Dracaena is a slightly more tropical version of it, and its leaves are often striped, but it's basically a sort of two-foot-tall fountain of leaves, quite dramatic and relatively easy to grow. And Anne's was leaning a bit, and she said, I've put a stake in at the back, a sort of bit of cane and I've, and I've tied it back so it doesn't lean and fall off the shelf will I have done it any harm and the answer was quite simple no you've done exactly the right thing and you couldn't really see the stick that she'd pushed in so it was just supporting it well and all it needs really Dracaena the dragon tree is its common name is again fairly good indirect light I seem to say that with all houseplants, but then that's what most of them need. Indirect meaning not straight through the window scorching sun, but light enough to be able to read a book by. And Dracaenas are lovely, provided you're kind to them and you make sure that you pot them on every couple of years, at the very least, sometimes every year, just to make sure they've got enough sustenance. And then they won't go brown at the tips of the leaves, which they often do, if they're starved or short of water for too long. That said, they can take drying out, just give them a really good soak once that compost has dried, and they will be with you for years. So if you want a statement piece, look for a Dracaena. You'll find it's really quite handsome. There is one very spectacular and rather new houseplant, which is a variety of the Chinese evergreen. It's called Agleonema, and it has broadly oval leaves, which in the case of the variety Star Orange, are patterned with orange and green and purple. It's quite dramatic, and like most plants, the Chinese evergreen, the Agleonema, is easy to grow in that, you guessed, haven't you? Good, in direct light water it when it starts to dry out, not before. But it's a good doer and it's tolerant and the variety star orange probably needs a little bit more light than the ordinary dark green ones that are covered in yellow spots. But they really do offer you that bit of life in a room which would otherwise be lifeless. And like all houseplants, they add to the environmental comfort. They give off oxygen, they absorb carbon dioxide, they clean the air quietly but efficiently and it's like bringing a bit of your garden inside with houseplants whether you're growing spider plants or the old rubber plant that was everybody's favorite the peace lily or orchids or cacti whatever you're growing houseplants will give you a sense of well-being and they will give you a sense that you're looking after something and the other great thing about houseplants they don't need walking twice a day. That's it from me, Alan Titchmarsh. Till the next time, whatever the weather, enjoy your garden. Garden Favourites was presented by me, Alan Titchmarsh. The producer is Lucy Ditchmont. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. 
and you can find out more about the themes we've covered today at gardenersworld.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or Acast to never miss an episode. See you next time.